Kyle Kuzma speaks on believing he was being traded to the Sacramento Kings. And Brendan Nunez from Kings Poll stops by. We're going to talk about whether or not this Kings offseason so far has been good enough for the Kings to be in the playoff conversation. It's all on today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On King. Hello and welcome to Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all off season. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of your Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento Kings media member, Sacramento Sports media member for the last seven years, formerly in radio, now in television. This will be my eighth season covering the Kings, both as an on-air host and multimedia journalist. And I'm looking forward to uh, sharing with you my conversation with Brendan Nunez. We had a good conversation about what I posed the question to you a little over a week ago, whether or not this Kings offseason as of right now, the likelihood of this team bringing this current roster that they have today in the next season with, and if that was good enough, even though it has been good, is good good enough for the Kings to actually make the playoffs or be in the playoff conversation. Brendan and I are going to talk about that as well as what's next for Tyrese Halliburton and take a look at the Western Conference, which teams the Kings are going to potentially replace, which teams they should be worried about. Uh, We'll dive into all that here in a little bit, but I actually wanted to start today's Locked on Kings podcast talking about Kyle Kuzma, who we all thought was going to be a Sacramento King around or on draft night. I'm not sure if you remember, but the Kings basically got used as leverage by the Los Angeles Lakers who decided to trade uh, Kyle Kuzma, Montrez, Harrell, uh, and some other pieces to the Washington Wizards for Russell Westbrook. Now, I'm not sure if you've seen, but the uh, LA Lakers roster is just ridiculous. They look like a like 2012 NBA all-star team, but they're not nearly as bad as the Brooklyn Nets roster. I said this on Twitter, and I'll say it right here. I am labeling this Brooklyn Nets roster as my second least favorite team of all time behind the 2002 Lakers. Like uh, there every fiber of my being wants that team to fail. And why do I feel that way about Brooklyn and not how or that way about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, one, the Lakers have already won a championship in the last couple of seasons. And number two is compared to the Nets, almost I think what the Lakers are doing is almost a joke. Now I expect them to be good, but it's it almost feels like a a, a joke to the rest of the league. I mean, it's a bunch of just old guys whose primes are pretty much behind them. Maybe the exception of Anthony Davis, he could still be in the very tail end of his prime. But for the most part, these are guys that their their best days are behind them for the most part. And it's weird to say that about LeBron James, but I I guess it's true. It's just a compilation of these guys that were really, really good in like four years, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. They're now all on the same roster uh, in LA, basically trying to match what the Brooklyn Nets are doing. Except the difference is the Brooklyn Nets are really, really good. They do have some 
guys uh, that were good only a, a couple of years ago who are trying to hold on, guys like Blake Griffin and stuff like that. But of course, with Kevin Durant, Kyrie, James Harden, like I just I hate that team. I want that team to fail. That team is everything I think wrong with the NBA and the power of players. Now, I, I love that players have more power in the NBA today, uh, certainly more power than ownership for the most part, but this is just a little ridiculous. So I got off track there a little bit, but I hate, hate that Brooklyn Nets team with a passion. I can't wait to watch them fail, I'll actively be rooting for them to fail. But going back to Kyle Kuzma, he was traded to Washington for uh, Russell Westbrook. And um, he, as well as Montrez Harrell, thought that they were headed to Sacramento. In fact, Kyle Kuzma uh, spoke about it on a uh, a podcast. I want to make sure I get the podcast correct. It's with Gilbert Arenas. It's no chill with Gilbert Arenas. Uh, he said this, I was kind of shocked because I thought I was going to sack. Uh, like the Sacramento deal with Buddy Heald, that S was done. I'm So I'm thinking in my head like, okay, sack, 45-minute flight, that's not bad. I can go to Napa. But then out of nowhere, you're going to Washington. And then here uh, he says, I was super hyped because Washington is a better situation. Going to SAC would have been fun. I would have been crazy for sure. Rather, he says, I would have went crazy for sure. That's how I think. But to have an opportunity to play with Bradley Beal, it's someone that is really trying to be a winner in this league. Now, I saw Kings fans take exception to what Kyle Kuzma was saying there. I was super hyped because it's a better situation. And I think it's important to realize who's speaking and what a better situation means to him versus the rest of the league. Now, I have no problem with anything that Kyle Kuzma said here. In fact, I was almost encouraged by the fact that he thought Sacramento would have been fun. He was expecting to go to Sacramento. All of us were bamboozled. It wasn't like only Sacramento believed that this deal was actually going to go through and then the Lakers swerved them. Everybody, including the players, thought that this deal was going down and then the Lakers pulled a, uh, a curveball right at the very, very last second to get Russell Westbrook. So we're not all alone in our Bill Wilderness, uh, Bill Wilderness going back to draft night. But... Uh, people have or take exception to Kuzma calling Washington a better situation. I think the Kings are going to be a better team than the Washington Wizards this year. I think the Kings are going to have a better record than the Washington Wizards this year. But look at it through the perspective of Kyle Kuzma. He is going first off to the East, where it's easier to make the playoffs. He is going to play a long time alongside a, a multi-time All-Star, straight-up scoring superstar in Bradley Beal. And he's for sure going to be a starter there and may be the second or third most important player on that team, especially in terms of scoring. Yeah, all of that is ideal to Kyle Kuzma, especially coming from the Los Angeles Lakers where he played under a boatload of stars so much so that he kind of became a joke and became obscure and never really got his opportunity, even though he did have some solid games, especially against the Sacramento Kings, if you remember. But compare that to the Sacramento Kings situation. Compare Washington to Sacramento. Had Kuzma come to Sacramento, he probably would have been a starter, right? Assuming that Marvin Bagley and, and Buddy Heald were going in the deal. Actually, I can't even remember if Marvin Bagley was involved in the deal. I know Buddy Heald was, obviously. Was Marvin Bagley in that deal? He might not have been. So Marvin might have still been here. But I, I would expect Kyle Kuzma was going to be the starting four. There's a chance he might not have been. But more than likely, Kuzma was going to be the starting four. But even so, offensively, he's behind Fox. He's behind Halliburton. He's behind Harrison Barnes. He might even be behind Rashawn Holmes, let alone Davion Mitchell. We don't know about Davion Mitchell coming off the bench. Like Kuzma's role in Washington is going to be more 
one, favorable to him, and two, clearly identified than what it would have been in Sacramento. Add that with the team being in the East and playing alongside Bradley Beal. I understand why Kuzma thinks it's a better situation. And also, what player is going to go on a podcast after being traded to a team and say that team wasn't as good of a situation as the team that I thought I was going to, the Sacramento Kings? He's not going to say anything like that. So I personally don't take any offense to it at all from a Kings perspective. I don't think he should either. Like I said, I was more encouraged by these comments because Kuzma wanted to be in Sacramento. And more importantly, Kuzma expected to be in Sacramento. Like we all expected Kyle Kuzma to be in Sacramento. And I remember hearing someone talking about, I think it was Jason Jones who was talking about it. I can't remember where he said it. It might've been on the Locked on Kings podcast. But Jason Jones said that Montrose Harrell was looking for houses here in Sacramento. Like he thought for sure that deal was going to go down. So the Lakers, I'm not going to say they screwed the Kings because who knows, but the Lakers used the Kings. Again, we'll say that. Lakers used the Kings. Kyle Kuzma was just as bewildered. Uh, But yes, I do agree with him that Washington is probably a better situation for him for what he's looking for. Now, he also might be a good player and put up a lot of numbers on an ultimately bad team in the Eastern Conference. But sometimes being an average to bad team in the Eastern Conference is good enough to make the playoffs, let alone or at least a play-in tournament. So no issue there with what Kyle Kuzma said. My conversation with Brandon Nunez coming up here in just a second. Before that, though, I want to let you know that today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Sweatblock. Sweatblock, the antiperspirant wipes that work like an absolute charm. I'm using them right now. They've been working for me all day. In fact, not just all day. I haven't used a wipe in four days. That's because each one of these wipes works for up to seven days per use. Now, I'll be honest with you. I haven't gotten a full seven days out of them. Usually day seven is when I start to notice that sweat coming back. But six days, no problem. They're doctor created, doctor recommended. They give you a dry shirt guarantee, meaning if sweat block doesn't keep you dry, you'll get your money back. It's been featured and uh, tested on the Rachel Ray show used by firefighters so it can handle their climate. You know it can handle yours. Uh, Bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years has over 13,000 reviews manufactured in the USA. And look, it's going to be hot. Again, here in Sacramento, you're going to be sweating even if you're not going outside, even if you're just sitting at your cubicle at work. Sweat block will solve those uh, uncomfortable and embarrassing sweat stains for you. So go get yours on Amazon. You can get yours at CVS Pharmacy or the best way to do it, go get yours at sweatblock.com. Use promo code locked on for 20% off. Today's Locked On Kings podcast is also brought to you by Stat Hero. Did you know that 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? Is it really that surprising? Like, think about it. The game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools and more time, they take advantage of you. They're the sharks. You're the fishes. You really don't stand a chance. Sorry to break it to you. I, myself included here. Stat Hero is the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. You're not playing anybody else. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. And you name the stakes, winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else does that. You see their lineup, you see the pieces that they're putting together, and you just have to beat that. That's it. And then you win your money and then some. You're in total control. Stat Hero is DFS the way, or Daily Fantasy Sports the way it was meant to be, one-on-one. Play Stat Hero now and change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Sign up for free right now, and you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match. That's unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on, stathero.com slash locked on. Well, I think we can all say that it's been a good 
offseason for the Sacramento Kings. But is good good enough? A little over a week ago on Locked On Kings, I threw out the question, if the Kings didn't make any more moves this offseason, if the roster where it's at right now was what they brought into the regular season, were we going to be happy with that? Would you be happy with that? And would you be disappointed with that? So I thought instead of just getting my opinion and your opinion on it, we do a, a little crossover with one of our friends, a, a fellow uh, Sacramento Kings podcast host, Brendan Nunez, the host of the Kings Pulse podcast. Also, uh, his work featured on uh, the Kings Herald. You can check out all of his great work over there. Uh, Brendan, so nice to be back with me here on Locked On Kings. First time we've done a one-on-one in a while, especially since uh, you were a part of one of our uh, Locked On Kings roundtables earlier on in the offseason, my friend. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing well, man. I hope uh, everything's good on your end as well. I know it's been a little bit of an adjustment, but I'm doing good. I'm enjoying the offseason, and uh, honestly, I don't really know what to do with myself. I've been playing a lot of basketball, I guess, because there's no basketball to watch. I'm trying to figure out ways to fill my time. And we're spoiled this offseason in reality because the gap of no basketball is significantly shorter than what it normally is. You know, I'm, I'm excited for us to get back to the regular NBA calendar just because we'll have Kings basketball in a little less than a month or maybe a little over a month. Um, but I'm not looking forward to next summer when we go back to having weeks upon weeks upon weeks of absolutely nothing. And thankfully, during these weeks of no actual physical basketball, we've had the rumors and conversation about Ben Simmons to Sacramento. And if a deal is going to go down, it wasn't going to go down right away. It sounds like it was more likely to happen the closer we get to training camp. And hey, the deal can still happen, Brendan. But more than likely, the way the roster is right now for the Sacramento Kings uh, is what they're going to have at training camp and more than likely going into the start of next season. So before we dive into really the meat and potatoes of this conversation, just want to ask you, would you classify this offseason so far the Kings as fine, good, great? Where are you at so far with this offseason? I think it's good. Um, I mean, the big thing is Rashawn Holmes, right? It seemed, at least I was very skeptical of Holmes returning for that, um, for the deal that they could offer him. And that is what ended up happening. We've seen many players like Laurie Markkinen's getting significantly more money than Rashawn Holmes. I think a handful of players we've seen get more money than Holmes. And I think Holmes is more impactful than a couple of them at very least. So that was the main thing that I was really looking for here. And just bringing Holmes back on that deal to me is a success. You know, I'll I'll throw up some question marks when it comes to, you know, the DeLon Wright, Tristan Thompson swamp, I think has a lot of people skeptical and myself included. Um, But overall, I mean, the big thing was Holmes and they did retain Holmes. I I would have gone a different direction in the draft, but I see somewhat what they were um, going after with this idea of setting a culture with Davion. So I'm a little excited and how can you not be after summer league? So I mean, I think you have to say it's it's good, even if it's maybe not great. Yeah, a lot of, like, if we're trying to grade Monty McNair and, and talk about his performance so far as a GM, it's all, like, to be determined, right? And it's felt like it's been that way. Really, you could even go back to looking at his trade deadline moves. Now, in the end, ultimately, it didn't work. The Kings didn't make the playoffs. Uh, but he made some moves that we couldn't really grade fully. It was to be determined based off of the effect that it was going to have on the Kings cap space to potentially re-sign a Rashawn Holmes. So I agree with you. The fact that the, the Kings were able to get Rashawn and get him on the deal that he got, that's a home run. Uh, and Monty deserves a lot of credit for that, even if we don't necessarily know what the market was like for Rashawn and and how hard the Kings had to fight to to keep Rashawn away uh, from other teams who we know had interest in him. But 
to me, we're grading this team on a very clear scale this year. And it was a scale set upon themselves by Monty McNair and by Luke Walton right after the season ended. It's it's basically playoffs or bust for this Kings team next year. There's no, oh, maybe they can miss the playoffs, but if the young guys look good, blah, blah, blah. No, the young guys are, are good enough right now or they expect to be good enough for this team to make the playoffs. So with the grade on that curve, do you feel like this offseason has been enough for the Kings to be in that conversation, even if it's through the play-in? I mean, I think so. I think they were in the conversation last year, and I think what it comes down to is the defensive end, right? I mean, you're going to hear it nonstop with this team, and they were better after the deadline when they made those moves to get Terrence Davis and Mo Harkless, both guys that they ended up keeping around. Uh, Mitchell should be a little bit of a difference maker, and honestly, they should have been better than they were last year. Um, so that that's the main thing for me is they really just need to care and put in maximum effort on the defensive end night in and night out. And that wasn't really happening. I think some of it had to do with schemes. Part of the reason I was pretty critical of Walton and I think a lot of the fan base was. Um, but I mean, it goes beyond just coaching. You know, we, we heard it throughout all year. Everybody should be held accountable for that. Um, Fox needs to do a better job of if you're going to be the leader of this team, making sure that you're holding all your teammates accountable and setting an example on the defensive end of the floor, despite your offensive responsibility. So to me, I, I thought they were in the conversation last year and they, they should get better. Um, there should be internal improvements, hopefully a little bit of a jump from Fox. I don't know how much improvement you can expect. Like I said, I'd mainly look on the defensive end and I think, uh, Halliburton is the big one to me where I want to see the jump that he makes this year. So I think they were good enough last year and I think they got a little bit better. So to me, as long as there's maximum effort on the defensive end, this team absolutely should be in the conversation for the play in, at least for that 10 spot. Right. Um, if we're talking eight, I, I don't know about that one, but 10. Sure. You, you said something there. You said a little bit better. And I want to make sure that I'm not being too harsh with my perspective uh, of the Kings and the moves that they made this offseason. But obviously, this team was historically bad defensively last year. And I agree with you. They do have the personnel, uh, personnel to be better than what they were. But is that slightly better or significantly better. Now, to me, a significant improvement would be this team making their way to the middle of the pack defensively next year. And yes, they've added good defensive pieces. Davion Mitchell jumps off the page. But even for a guy who spent four years or three years, rather, in college, that's a lot to put on the shoulders of a rookie, especially a guard in the NBA and specifically in the Western Conference, which the guys uh, with the players he's going to have to match up with on a nightly basis. So, I don't know if I'm ready to say that this team got that much better defensively, maybe a slight defensive upgrade, but if we're putting all of our defensive hopes on the addition of, of Davion Mitchell and then everybody else just kind of treads water, I still don't think this team's good enough. I'm with you. And I think it, they just need to be better than they were last year with the guys that were on that roster to end last season. Um, Fox, I pointed out, I thought Barnes at times showed a little bit of a lack of effort. And I think it, would be hard to be out there and not feel deflated. Um, you know, I, I think it was a kind of contagious energy in the wrong way. And I would assume that all the guys have heard over and over throughout this offseason, one of the worst, if not the worst defense of all time, all the criticism thrown their way for that. So um, you're right. It, it can't be on Mitchell, right? It needs to be an entire culture swing in the way of um, it's clear that we are focused on defense this offseason, and that needs to be a clear improvement. So it's not like any of the personnel they brought in, specifically Mitchell, like you said, is going to be changing anything. A 6-1 rookie, I mean, you only can expect so much on the defensive end of the floor. 
So to me, it's just the guys that were here last year need to be better. Um, you know, I, I don't love lineups where Heald and Bagley are both out there. I think those are two of the defenders that really struggle, even if they give good effort. So I think, um, yeah, it's less of the personnel improvement on the defensive end of the floor. And I feel like it needs to be more of a mentality and wanting to be capable and competent on that end of the floor. So 15 top half, probably not, but I mean, like, I mean, even jumping to 25th compared to where they were at 30th, I think makes a big difference. And if you're talking, you know, winning five more games, I think that alone might do that. So maybe fill in this blank for me. If, if the Sacramento Kings finish 25th defensively, they finish blank in the West. If they finish 20th defensively, they finish blank in the West. And then 15th right in the middle of the pack defensively blank in the West. Like, where do you think? Because we know this team can score. So if it's just, if they just correct those defensive issues and stay pretty standard or average on the offensive end, which I think it's fair to expect a little bit of offensive drop off at times when the defensive intensity uh, picks up. But if we're just grading on, okay, the defense gets better significantly and everything else kind of stays the same, I want to see in your mind how drastically that changes this team. Get a good idea of how close this team actually is. Yeah, 25th, I mean, you're probably pretty close to where you were last year. Um, I'll say 11, 11 seed, and you're fighting for that 10 spot to play in. If you're talking 20th, I'll, I'll throw them in 10. And I think if you're 15, like, I mean, you have a chance at eight, you know, I, I think that you're probably hoping Portland slides because Golden State is a team that's really likely to jump from where they were last year with getting some of their guys back and healthy and some internal improvements there. So, yeah, I mean, I think if you're 15th, like you should be pretty, com I, I would feel pretty confident in betting on them being a play in team at very least. Let's, um, I'm, I'm, I guess I'll just throw out the, the, the base question then. In your mind, this good Kings offseason, is it good enough for the Kings to fully belong in it? Like for you, is it good enough for you to have the expectation to, to feel the same way that Monty McNair and Luke Walton feel, that they've done what they needed to do, at least to some extent in the offseason, to put themselves in the conversation for a legitimate playoff team and ending the playoff drought? And I don't count making the play-in tournament but not making the playoffs and losing in one of the play-in tournament rounds. I don't count that. It's it's actually making a best-of-seven series. Has this offseason been good enough for that to be reasonably possible in your mind? Yeah, I think it's reasonable. And to me, kind of what it comes down to is it better be, right? Um, it, they had kind of limited opportunities to improve this roster this offseason without making some big splash, which, you know, we've seen the Kings thrown in more rumors than we have in past years. So it seems like McNair's definitely trying. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that, again, the big question mark for me is Halliburton's improvement. You know, this is the year where um, coming out of the draft last year, he had this low ceiling label, which I threw on him maybe on. Um, maybe unfairly a little bit, but he blew my mind with some of his shot creation and space creation ability shooting off the dribble. So if he can keep doing that and convince me that, you know, maybe he's a couple time all-star rather than an elite role player, then that's the big swing for me this year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's enough to be in the conversation, but I think you're also banking on internal improvements rather than just offseason additions. A couple more things. You talked about Tyrese Halliburton there. Uh, I think Damian and uh, 
Kenny on D'Lo and KC ESPN 1320 had a big conversation about this based off an ESPN article. It was like adding one trait to a player that makes the most difference like in their career or for their team. For Tyrese Halliburton, uh, what is that big trait to add to him? Is it a lockdown defender? Is it a, a, a like to me when I was having a conversation with them, I, I thought if Tyrese Halliburton could b- become that knockdown dangerous outside shooter not necessarily that buddy healed is because that's elite elite but enough to where he's almost as well respected as buddy on the perimeter meaning you always have to close out on him i think that takes his game to the next level and then some what is that trait for you for tyrese to make that jump in his sophomore season i think the obvious one is strength um but i think that's expected so aside from that i'd say his handle i I mean and, and that comes back to the creation for me you know we've seen his passing be be really at a high level um he has a floater game that's promising so and i think with the strength you would hope finishing improves a little bit there as well but again i I feel pretty confident you know at least a little bit more functional strength is going to come if not this year within the next couple years for halliburton as you see with guys um fox posted a picture today where he looks notably bigger than he did compared to you know freshman or i'm sorry rookie or second year Fox. So I I think that's expected, but to me, it's the handle. Um, I think if Halliburton is able to create for himself and have that sort of pressure that you're just kind of dealing with a different player, you know, I I think that if it was a pick and roll last year and he got double teamed, that there was only so much he was doing, he was kind of getting the ball out of his hands pretty quickly. So I think being able to create for himself and to me, that skill is his handle. You might want to have the uh, last year's NBA standings, Western Conference uh, standings open as we wrap up here. But I know Kings fans have been frustrated over this 15-year playoff drought of the amount of teams whose rebuilds have leapfrogged the Kings. And, and the Kings finished in 11th or I guess tied for 11th with the New Orleans Pelicans uh, in the West last season. I was very surprised with how little the Pelicans get did this offseason, although I do still expect them to be a, a pretty good team. I don't know what pretty good is in the Western Conference. I expect the Timberwolves to also be maybe hovering around that. Oklahoma City, no, not too many high expectations for them. Houston, I like the pieces that they have, not too many high expectations for them. But then you're talking about which teams the Kings potentially catching and replacing in either a play-in or playoff scenario. The Spurs weren't that good. I think they got worse. The Golden State Warriors, who the hell knows? Memphis Grizzlies are one of those teams that have leapfrogged the Kings. You expect the Lakers to be better, even though they're basically the 2012 All-Star team. Uh, Dallas Mavericks, question mark. I guess looking at the standings for last year, which two teams are you expecting the Kings to potentially catch or replace? Or maybe it's just one team that you say, okay, the Kings can definitely take their spot. And which teams that were out of the playoffs last year are you at all concerned about? I think that you have to hop San Antonio and the difference obviously is coaching there and a culture, uh, a level of expectation that's set from that organization. But I think that the Kings are just more talented. DeMar DeRozan walking, you know, the Kings have a star, a, a guy, that's a go-to scorer on their team, which I think is just so important in De'Aaron Fox, obviously. So I think they should be able to hop San Antonio. And and then, yeah, I mean, New Orleans didn't really make any moves, but I, I see why you could bank on internal improvement. Like, I, I think they need to be better than New Orleans. And then I'm concerned with a little bit with Minnesota. Um, you know, they didn't have hardly any games last year of Cat, D'Lo, and Anthony Edwards all playing together. So if they're healthy, they should be a lot better team than they were last year. I do have some concerns there. Um, And then when it comes to Memphis, I mean, I think that's the other team that you're kind of rubbing shoulders with. I don't know that I feel 
all too confident in the Kings being a better team. But I think when you look at their roster, they should be right there with Memphis. And to me, those are the four teams. And and I feel like San Antonio is who I would place at the bottom of it there. Um, But those are the teams that I feel like they're going to be rubbing shoulders with and really competing for pretty much that 10 spot. And, you know, maybe Portland is a team that falls a little bit. Um, But I don't know. I have trouble betting against uh, the players of the caliber of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum when you're talking the rest of these teams. I understand that. Brendan, thank you so much for coming on. Keep up all the great work at King's Pulse and at the King's Herald. And I look forward to having you back on to another crossover, doing something with you, hopefully in the near future, my guy. Appreciate it, Matt. We'll definitely have you on KP here soon, man. The Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why? Endure. Pointless. Intimidating. Annoying. uh, Questioning. Why even go through all of that hassle when the counterman can only really get you the parts that their warehouse happens to carry at their fixed price? You don't need to do it anymore. You have access to your phones. You have access to a computer. Go to rockauto.com. You can find all the parts you need, a variety of parts, a variety of brands, and more importantly, a variety of price points. Same time and money when using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer, no matter your experience level. I know nothing about cars. I was able to find what I needed recently, save myself a boatload of money uh, after uh, running over a tire on the freeway. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? They know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Huge thank you to Brendan Nunez for joining me here on the Locked On Kings podcast. Tomorrow, I'm expected to be joined by my old buddy from Sports 1140, KHDK, one of the hosts of the morning show, Jay Mars, back with me. He and I are going to talk a lot about Marvin Bagley. Is he a starting four for the Kings next season? Assuming this is the roster that they bring into next year, is it best for him to come off the bench? We're going to talk about that and then some tomorrow. Very Marvin Bagley-focused conversation. So if you have any Marvin-based takes or questions, send them to us. At Matt George Sack on Twitter. You can email me, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com at any time or leave them in the comment section down below if you're watching on YouTube. Also, while you're writing, uh, make sure you share your opinions on what Kyle Kuzma had to say. I share your opinions on anything that Brendan and I talked about, whether or not you're happy or not with this offseason so far for the Sacramento Kings. Share it all. We would love to hear it. And I look forward to having you join me on the next episode of Locked On Kings. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked On Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.